I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 229? I think so. Video Games Hot Dog. 220 Jive. Is that our name for 229? 220 Jive? Yeah. Doesn't rhyme. That's how you say nine I thought you said 225, so I was rhyming that. I guess we have, I have to think of a different one. Turn 25. Yep, there you go. Okay. In the what alphabet, Jim? NATO. Yep. Oh. There's an old NATO and a new NATO alphabet. Like They're the very different. NATO alphabet? <laughs> <laughs> you say NATO, I say NATO. Okay. Uh, NATO is like that. The fermented, uh, fermented soybeans, soybeans stuff, yeah. alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, fermented soybean and alphabet soup. Mm. Have you guys ever had alphabet soup? Not in years. Yeah, do it, little kid. I don't, I don't think I ever learned to read from it. I feel like it's a <laughs> it's a fictional construct. In my experience, what, what about alphabets? Yeah, alphabets is real. Yeah, is I, alphabet soup like, not the like alphabet shaped uh, like letter it shaped. It is. Yeah, pasta I just don't things? remember ever seeing it in real life. I only remember seeing it in fiction. Looking back on it, is the, is the conceit that parents are more likely to want to buy it because it's educational? I mean, chicken and stars sure. taught me everything I know about astronomy. <laughs> <laughs> All the chickens in the, in the, in space. Yeah. Speaking of astronomy, ninth planet, guys. Yeah. Did, did how established is that? What do we know? It's. I mean, there's some observation and some math. This right? was discovered okay. by one of your buddies, right? It was hypothesized by one of my buddies, and then a stronger paper uh, that with like actual prediction of like where it should be. A stronger paper was written by someone from a real college. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sick burn. What? No, did, what, I don't actually know the story. Uh, so, so the team that like found the other sort of like small dwarf planets that eventually caused Pluto to be reclassified as a dwarf planet. Uh, they have continued to sort of like look at all of these like sort of objects in the solar system and stuff. And then they found like these weird anomalies that they couldn't explain. And uh, like about a year, year and a half ago, um, they proposed that maybe there was a ninth planet out there that was just like really far out. And another team set out to disprove them and was like, ah, well, actually, we can't. And this is actually pretty likely. And here's some parameters. It would be like 10 times the size of the Earth and way, way, way the fuck out there. And really, it's because it's so far away from the sun. It's like really, really hard to see. So Mm. it's going to be actually observing. It's going to be tough. Talking. Just go there. uh, (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Talking about a hypothetical ninth planet just makes me think of like, like stereotypically dumb sitcom characters talking about having a fifth sense. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I bet right. Pluto loyalists are like double mad. Yeah, no sure. doubt. We can call it Pluto or something. Pluto. I think they should call it Pluto. David Bowie. <laughs> oh, in hey, memoriam. That'd be nice. Yeah. Although they did, they they, they did Glenn unofficially. <laughs> they did and give him cares. unofficially a uh, constellation. Yeah, or uh, Angus Scrim. That was the one I was sad about. Who was he? He was the guy that played the tall man in the Phantasm movies. Oh. I never saw any of those, and I don't know who that guy is. Uh, Alan Rickman also died? Oh, yeah, Alan oh, Rickman. Yeah, yeah that was sad. Uh, yeah, and uh, Lemmy, and uh, somebody else. Yep. 
A lot of people. I'm sad that Lemmy died just because, like, for the same reason that I'll be sad when Keith Richards dies, which is just like, ah, well, there goes that one example of how uh, clean living is bullshit. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> there was an article today about how Animal from the Muppet Show died <laughs> at age 66. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, did you hear that the onion got purchased by Univision? I did. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Really. Yeah, I don't know. I was wondering about not, that. They had been owned by some investor since 2012 or 2013. So owned or pwned? Uh, boned. Okay. Is Univision this the Spanish language? Yes. Okay. Uh, who's apparently their their sort of demographic is rapidly aging out of the ability to be alive anymore so they are desperately they're diversifying to find new markets yeah. yeah don't they also own like ben and jerry's that's that's unilever it's no oh, that was that's my that, weird wow, conglomerate that would have been so good uh, if yeah. i had gotten it yeah i really would have liked that um after after New Year's, my my girlfriend pointed out a thing that you often do to me, which is you present me with uh you present me with a little puzzle yeah. that I'm supposed to solve for what the joke is. Right, that's <laughs> uh, just like such a delightful thing about our uh, our friendship because we were making a bunch of big sir puns, and you turned around and said, "Zach, I've got a lot of questions for you." Right, and then I was like. <laughs> Uh, and you said it's a big survey. Like, oh, okay. No. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty good. Solid for the joke is a is a pretty good game that I, that I like to play. Um, yeah, I, I did not know that Unilever owned Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. Uh, what else? Did they make that Lever two thousand soap? I probably. Did they make Bic Uniball pen? Oh, I don't know, man. If it's it's just they, everything with Uni in they it. They make unicycles. Yeah. Right? Do they make that one lever that you need to move the earth? I think they make one of everything. Do they make, the, do they make that lever from that one really long story that ends with better, better Nate, Nate than, than lever? lever. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking that. Oh, gosh, guys. Uh, we could not record last week owing to technical difficulties, which we thought were resolved, but it turns out they were not resolved. But luckily, we brought a backup recorder, so yeah. let's hope this is working. There's no reason it shouldn't be. Sure. There's no reason nothing ever doesn't work. <laughs> uh, sure. Okay. It, Rick, if you think about it. There's there's no reason. Uh, I'm gonna have to Hold write on. this down and get, get back to some you. scratch paper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what have you been up to, Jim? It's uh, been two whole weeks. Uh, just, just playing Pony Island over uh, and over again. Yeah, was, yeah. And and thinking about it, but more doing more thinking about it than playing it. And you're like, how could I make this a Frog Island? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, uh, I'll have things to say about that when it comes when the time comes. Okay. Uh, Riff and I participated in Portland uh, uh, in the mystery hunt. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. I knew I'd done something Those besides highlights. play with Legos all two weeks. <laughs> we came in second second, which is almost as good as second. Yep. Uh, Does that mean you were like tied for second? No, we just came in third. Came in third. Oh, I see. Yeah. Not as good yeah. as coming in second, but much better than coming in first. Yes. So I'm I'm totally totally happy with our uh, our placement. Um, Riff worked on a bunch of cool puzzles. I was mostly focused on meta puzzles for the whole weekend. Yeah, the one, Which the one the puzzles that made out of the solutions of the other puzzles. Yeah, yeah, the one that I 
was the most interested in was the one that was ultimately the most disappointing because the answer to it was just an angry making non word <laughs> it was, it was I'll, I'll describe the puzzle it was was this, it a lot no it was worse was it than eight? that it was wor- uh, it was worse than that <laughs> the it, so the puzzle was um it was this collection of 24 sort of elongated uh uh uh, uh pentagons shapes yeah yeah Yeah. like stretch pentagons and each one had a word written in the middle of it and then along each of the five edges it had like a rule like uh like uh you can put it's still a word if you change yeah still a word if you change the first letter to an s or has the same number of consonants as vowels and things like that and so the you had to take these 24 uh, uh, pentagons and assemble them into a sphere such that the word on a face um, w- correctly applied oh, to all to all the rules oh, of the adjoining neat. faces right it, it gets way better though yeah it's, but it this, gets that's better just the first yeah. part and then yeah. there were some of the I, I can hardly see how it could get better eight, Keep listening it's eight, so good eight of the pentagons on their pointiest point uh, had a certain number of arrows on them. And once the sphere is formed, these arrows formed uh, a ring uh, around, the, well, pointed to eight of the particular pentagons, and those pentagons formed a ring. And it was eventually realized that although all the other words on the sphere could be reasonably followed with the word head, like a... Uh, um, Egghead or gearhead or pinhead, yeah, things like that. The the words that these these particular eight words could not. They were things like snake, you know, and and snakehead is not a thing. And so once we'd found that, we we wrestled with that for a long time, and then eventually discovered that for each of those eight words there was another word you could put in instead that it obeyed the same five that, rules that, that would have that, that word right that yeah. that that would have worked with that with the the five rules necessary for that side and also could be followed with head and the uh i, f- I forget how the ultimate answer fell out of those eight replacement words Exactly. It was just like, uh, oh, I think it was the number of arrows that were pointing to that pentagon. That was, into the word. Yeah, that was how many letters you counted into the new word to get the, the ultimate letter of the answer. But the, the, the answer turned out to be the word doldums. D-O-L-L-D-O-M-S, which is a word that I, that ridiculously was on, in like, the online Merriam-Webster dictionary as being a country ruled by dolls as analogous to a <laughs> kingdom being ruled by a king. That's kind of amazing that that word exists. Uh, <laughs> where, where did 
Who uses this word? Yeah. Puzzle I mean, makers? Well, I don't know. According to Google, <laughs> 5,470 people in only 0.29 seconds. <laughs> so, ah! in, the pa- in the past 0.29 seconds, 5,000 people have used that word. Yeah. <laughs> Why does Google tell you how long it took to return the query? Like, that just seems Maybe like Maybe it's debug. debug yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're just oh, so proud of it. we forgot to comment this out in 1996. <laughs> and now it's tradition. Now it's traditional. Ah, but yeah, man, that just, mm, such a good puzzle and then such a stupid ass of a word <laughs> that made me so yeah. mad. I mean, it was probably required for the meta, right? It was. And I bet the person who got doldums was like, God damn it. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> there was a, there yeah, was a really cool meta. Ones? The uh, so the the sort of overall theme of the hunt was it started out it was a the hunt was all dogs it was going to be all dogs all the time it was like a dog show and you mm-hmm. had to like pretend to be a dog for a while and go perform as a dog uh, but uh, it turns out that that was just the the sort of beginning notion of a, an inception themed hunt so it was like waking up a bunch of of dreamers. And so there were 11 rounds of puzzles, close to 200 puzzles in the whole, in the whole hunt. Um, and each round you had to figure out how to like relatively peacefully wake up the dreamer was sort of the meta puzzle for each, each round. And there's one of the rounds was an Arthurian round. Uh, and as we started getting answers, we started noticing that they were highlighting, um, letters from the answers that were like elements and we were like oh man you know what would be funny is if this is the periodic round table or round periodic table or whatever because it's like you know king arthur or whatever and we 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 looked up and there there are a bunch of attempts to make like a round periodic table out there and we like spent a bunch of time looking at them and just nothing sort of fell out but there's a particular there is a particular round periodic table that you can use that then gives you semaphore hmm. um, answers out of that. Um, but we just didn't, we didn't find it until it took like a couple hours of puzzle nerds love semaphore. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> it's good. Well, anything uh, in which you can turn letters into something drastically different from letters. Is oh yeah. Like puzzle the moon language like. moon, the moon speak or moon. I'm not familiar or something. with what you mean. What is that? that was another meta puzzle. It was all of the answers from this uh, round of, of puzzles were kind of describing shapes. And so at first they thought maybe it was semaphore, but that wasn't making any sense. But it turns out they were describing moon language, which is just a, a sort of alphabet, alphabet substitution. that has been around for like 150 years, 200 years. Um, and it's it, the invention of the moon. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and that was and when you sort of, figured out how that worked then it was clear What's moon language how does it it's just it's just it's basically just a letter for letter kind of semaphore well it's just a letter for letter sort of like replacement of english right so it's like elvish or dwarvish or whatever in like D D. from some particular work of fiction or i don't know Keen. I, I did not look up the i did not look up the genesis of it but i know like like people were talking about how it had been a thing for well over a hundred years, so it was not. It's not something that's like brand oh, new. Oh, I see. It was a language created by someone named William Moon. Okay. Oh, that's oh, cool. Okay. So it has nothing to do with the moon, uh, but 
The but moon he's, system of but he's from the moon, right? Known as moon writing, moon alphabet, moon type, or moon code is a writing system for the blind using embossed symbols really? mostly derived from Latin script, but simplified. Uh, it is claimed by its supporters to be easier to understand than Braille, though it is mainly used by people who have lost their sight as adults and thus already have knowledge of the shapes of letters. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So it's like runes. Sure. Uh, but they're, the shapes, because they're simplified, they're, you can sort of describe them as like, you know, a, a tilde or, a, you know, half half bend upwards or whatever. Um yeah, like the the hunt was a lot of fun. It Here's was really fucking How hard fuck this year. Did we not know about this until just now. Don't know. Like that's that was another thing. Is like so many like how many round periodic tables should I have known about before this? Well, but that's, weekend. That's less like something that we would know because we're is not it? science dorks. We are code dorks. Yeah, I don't know. It's like that's the thing is if you can find a cool like language that has been around for a while that like everybody can like reference, then that's the ideal kind of thing to use in a mystery hunt. Especially if Wouldn't people don't cool know about it. If your last name was moon, you could make a cool M O O N. Uh, you could make a cool code like this. You could write blue highways. You could form some sort of cult in eighties. <laughs> I don't know what Sun Myung Moon did. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> If That's you all. showed somebody your ass, you're just you're selfing them. <laughs> the earliest selfies. <laughs> yes. uh, guys, let's me that dude. <laughs> You'll say. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anybody else whose last name is Moon. There are some puzzles that I saw that I. Oh, it's a little Moon Fry. Sure. Moon Unit Zappa. Oh yeah, <laughs> Moon comma <laughs> unit, unit Zappa, Zappa comma Moon. <laughs> There are puzzles that I don't, I, I haven't gone back and looked at the solution, so I don't know how they worked. Like the game of Minesweeper, where it oh God. seemed seemed to be a quantum superposition of a bunch of different games of Minesweeper that you were slowly collapsing into a specific one as you selected squares. That sounds like a good way to solve the problem of um, of initial bombs. Well, that and also like when the player hits us. A uh, situation where they just have to just guess. Sure. Yeah. Was the uh, one that was the diagramless crossword with more than ninety thousand clues ever solved? Uh, yes. Uh, we I think we did not solve it forward wise. Uh, so that one was so it was just ninety thousand crossword clues. It was the world's largest diagramless crossword, and uh what you had to realize is that after the first handful of, of clues, it was just an alphabetic list of, of English words, like the, all the relatively alphabetic list of English words, which the insight you had to have was that that was an Animaniacs song where he just reads the dictionary. Oh, apparently. Um, And then, yeah, so, which uh, I I had never I even the, heard of that. The real song. the real puzzle to it, I guess, was just writing the code to to search a to to search a crossword puzzle answers database, right? Because well, you needed so that was to the get first those thing. answers first. Sure, you do that, but then you also have to then write a second piece of code which goes through that list looking for an acrostic that spells something else. Mm. Because in the middle, 
of it at the L's, it stops being alphabetic for a little while to uh. have a little acrostic, which is the answer to the whole thing. Oh. So if you if you'd solved it and then went through and actually read the whole thing, you'd notice that. But of course, nobody does that. So. Yeah. Huh. So there was no, there was no, there was no matter at all. You could. So the first, I don't know, the first dozen or two dozen clues and the last two dozen were actually a diagram was crossword, which you could actually start solving. And they had some hints towards the facts that it fact that it was an Animaniacs song, like Yakko was a clue and something else. I forget, whatever. But then, yeah, you just have to have that insight. There was a, there was like a, a puzzle that was a bunch of like, kids drawings of these weird looking toys and characters and stuff and if you didn't happen to know that it was a puzzle about doc mcstuffins then Who? good luck because that was you had to know that to like even start Never looking even working on that puzzle that. it's actually the idea of it's actually really awesome it's this kid who like is a is a doctor and like oh, like De- well, deals with all of the like maladies of her toy, her broken toys and stuff. So there's like, you know, her army army uh, figure, his arms fall off, and so he's got like missing part army anymore, <laughs> yeah. oh. missing armitis or whatever. Oh. Yeah, uh, and it's just it, like like I've never actually seen the show, but the from from reading a bunch of stuff on the wiki about it, uh, it seemed pretty good. There was a cool puzzle that was uh, a bunch of different flags from. Mm-hmm. all over the world in different locations uh that were represented as pie charts of the colors on the flag huh uh so they're like often recognizable but it requires a bunch of research and then you have to have the insight that they're like in chunks so there's like a section that's like u.s states and there's a section that's like japanese protectorates or whatever and then there's a section that's like canadian provinces or whatever and then you have to notice that those are actually, if you actually look at those on a map, that they form sort of a continuous chain of, of geographic regions, but then there's a gap in the middle. And if you take that, the thing that would be in that spot and index into it in the spot, like if it's like the fourth thing in the chain that's missing, then that gives you the, the letters to pull out that's wow. the answer for that puzzle. Yeah, Dang. right? Like, that's so good. And, like, all it is is just a puzzle of pie charts. Like, Too you get... Too hard to be fun. I... It actually is a lot of fun, though, because it's, like, the identification is, like, is, like, an interesting, fun challenge, and then, like, recognizing the fact that there's, like, these groups, these clusters of them. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't like, seem like any particular step was hard. It's just... Yeah. Getting from a one bunch step of little insights. Yeah. It, I don't know. I think that's the kind of thing that's that's great. That, yeah. that that one I can totally like get behind as as like yeah this is neat and interesting and cool. Do you guys want to do some listeners mail so we can stop talking about these puzzles? Yes. All right. All right. <laughs> Josh Grimmer wrote uh, in a long email about projection slash theater business stuff. What's up, hot dogs? Last week you guys talked at length about projection stuff, and I could not have been more delighted. I work for a theater chain in Los Angeles that a lot of people in podcasts mention. The one with all the rules about late seating that's not the Alamo Draft House. You know the one. <laughs> Here's some stuff about cinemas. I don't actually know. I don't know which that one is. Yeah. Yeah. Went to the Alamo Draft House last night and did not get thrown out. Good job. Nice. Uh, Regarding revenue sharing, the way monetary split works between theaters and studios is based on a weird kind of math. This is a weird kind of math, but I think largely owing to what must be a typo in Josh Grimmer's email. (laughs) Let's say the national average ticket price is $9.50. For every ticket sold, the studio receives $9.50 from the cinema, and the cinema keeps or makes up for the difference. There's also a fee to book the print, but that price has dropped a lot since the switch to digital. 
So that's probably not 950. So one of those 950s either, is not yeah, 950. If the national average is 950, the studio gets 950 of every ticket sold and any and like <laughs> half of theaters just hemorrhage money. <laughs> like the only way to make money is by charging more than the average, which is why movie tickets cost a billion dollars now because of the creeping because of moving averages. Yeah. It's depending on how often they sample. Anyway. Reprint booking. The studios and theaters negotiate the links of the bookings. Often a movie will be doing pretty poorly, so the theater will call the studio and say, hey, we're dropping your crummy movie, and the studio can say, okay, but you gotta give a lot of seats to such and such movie we're releasing next month, or no way, dude, you gotta keep it or else we're not gonna give you such and such movie we're releasing next month. If two cinemas are close to each other, oftentimes the studio will only show their movie at the location that did them the best favors most recently. As for film prints, prints are rented from studios. If you scratched or damaged a reel, the replacement could cost about $2,000. Most movies run between five and eight reels, so Kevin's estimation of $10,000 was right on. If the print came back relatively unfucked, you got a portion of your deposit back. The prints now come on one terabyte hard drives. I think I thought that they cost $100,000 because I just remember it being a lot of money. So I'm thinking about the amount of money that feels (laughs) like the power of 10 that feels like a lot of money to me now relative to the power of 10 that felt like a lot of money to me when I was like 16. That Indigo Girls song, The Power of Ten. Sure. What would you do for your kid fears? Yeah. Is how that one goes. <laughs> uh, so so the Jim and the Holograms just being pulled of, out of theaters was th- both theaters and, and studio being like, yeah, this is just, this is a, ho- a horror show. <laughs> Uh, it continues. Frames. Movies run at 24 frames per second, but that's actually kind of cheated. One second of film is 12 frames long, with each frame being shown twice. There's a part in the projector that intermittently blocks the light from the lamp, which flashes each frame on screen twice. This makes the illusion of motion feel more fluid. The Hateful Eight is over a quarter million frames. Jim. Projectionists totally take souvenir frames out of prints. I have frames on my desk from Annie Hall, Amelie, Princess Bride, and Wayne's World. I also used to take old uh, 35mm trailers and cut them up to make bookmarks. I have dozens of Scott Pilgrim bookmarks. Okay, now I'm just telling fun work stories, but we had a Sister Act 2 backwards real thing happen with a print of Jennifer's body. Thanks for your time, and make a hamburger out of farts. Josh Grimmer. Well, thanks for your email, Josh The, the 12 frames a second thing seems really surprising to me. I, I thought that was true for um, cartoons, but not for... Uh, actual live action stuff because they'll like one one technique in filmmaking to like slow stuff down is to do like step printing or whatever where you print the same frame a bunch of times in a row and like i i don't i'm guessing they're doing that in a much more exaggerated way if if you actually are seeing two frames a second of the same thing that also works in books if you want a, a scene to move more slowly you can just start printing <laughs> each word multiple times okay <laughs> yeah that's what took me so long to read 1q84 the new Haruki Murakami. So there's a little joke for anyone who has read <laughs> 1Q84 by Haruki Murakami. I'm sure those those three people who happen to w- listen to this uh, podcast will enjoy it. Are you gonna Are you gonna get your mom another copy of that <laughs> this year? Yep. <laughs> I want to make a a joke about the movie Kiss Kiss Bang Bang here, but it's not oh, coming to that, me. Oh man, that was pretty good though. Yeah, thanks. Just, um. Did you guys see that? That edit. Did that edit of uh, the Wizard of Oz? That was no. just every word from the film in alphabetical order. <laughs> oh yeah, it's <laughs> pretty good. Mm. Did you watch the whole movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like it would be pretty intolerable. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the probably... sort of thing you skip around in. There was a. And I think there's more than one of these now. There was a fan remake of Star Wars where a different 
a different person was assigned each 15 second oh, yeah, um, yeah. segment yeah. of the movie. Friend of and mine they all did used a, a different. That. Oh, that's yeah. That's that sounds like a lot of fun. It it looked like a lot of fun. Like you you would you you can watch this thing and it some of it's intolerable, but you never get bored because even if a section isn't that great, you know you're seeing something new in 15 yeah, seconds. 15 and some of them are actually some of them are actually really funny. All right, uh, Nicholas Miel writes. The marshmallow test is pure bullshit that rich people use to congratulate each other on how they deserve to be rich and poor people deserve to be poor. It demonstrates that rich children are credulous idiots who will believe any stupid lie you tell them, and that poor children have already learned the hard way that dad didn't go to the corner store for cigarettes. He's never coming back with a second marshmallow. If you don't eat the marshmallow now, mom's new boyfriend will steal it from you when he comes home drunk. Wow. Damn. Really, Jesus. All, all this is saying is that. Wait, wait. That, that my, was my, my counter argument. Is did that, that address like, something I said? You might already be. <laughs> you brought. I think you brought so up the marshmallow test. Okay. 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 If you're fucked when you're three by your upbringing rather than by your genes, you're still fucked when you're three. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Like this doesn't actually change anything. Oh, but I think the argument here is that. Is not against the marshmallow test, but against the idea that, like... Against the interpretation of the marshmallow test. I I don't know. I Just the, against the idea that the, the world is a meritocracy, maybe. I think that the marshmallow test is often used as evidence that the world is a meritocracy in the same way that, like, an entire field of psychology gets ruined by misogynists using it to, like justify like using evolutionary psychology to justify like male domination of fields sure sure yeah or a bunch of psychological papers are called into question because the primary sort of test audience for these papers are uh, college students in the western hemisphere or whatever right like yeah 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 jim Fuck you and your that's, elitist that's... rich people marshmallow <laughs> test bullshit. I'm sorry, guys. I'll do better next time. Ah, oh, man. I was listening to... Uh, somebody, somebody wrote in a thing about uh, New Vegas versus Fallout 4. Uh, Thomas Fizdos. Hey, guys. I had some thoughts on Fallout New Vegas versus Fallout 4 conversation that I wanted to share. One thing that I really liked about New Vegas' storyline was that the player's influence in the world slowly built up over time. This gave the narrative a satisfying arc. You start out as a schmuck who got shot in the head and gradually grow your character's influence in the world until you're a force to be reckoned with. In Fallout 4, you step out of the vault, kill a Deathclaw, and immediately become General of the Minutemen. From there, you're the most capable member of any faction you join. It felt like I was the most important person in the Commonwealth from Hour 1, which removes a great deal of potential narrative space from the story and makes the inevitable fetch-kill-X quests feel all the more artificial. Both games are power fantasies, but New Vegas is restrained in a way that gives them space to tell a much more interesting story. Anyway, hopefully this email isn't too long, and thanks for the cast. Thomas in Minneapolis. I mean, that's... I was listening to yeah. the Watch Out for Fireballs yeah. about Fallout 3, Fallout 3, and that's like the same complaint there, which basically. is that Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 are basically Skyrim, where you just immediately take charge yeah, of any organization. become king of everything. But that's, I mean, that's not wrong, but... That overlying plot structure and how well or well or how well or not well it works as a story is the least important thing to me in a 3D Fallout game or a Bethesda game in general. Yeah, that is entirely true of me also. Like, I think it's stupid that in Skyrim you're the master of the Thieves Guild and the Archmage of the Mages yeah, Guild. Yeah. And 
grand high werewolf of it's it's hilariously dumb it's it's like, ridiculous it's super stupid yeah but it also but is that's not why i'm there yeah it is completely irrelevant to your experience of playing the game the main storyline of a bethesda game is entirely irrelevant to your experience of playing a bethesda game yeah and well i it, i think for a certain type of player that's yeah. tr- definitely true yeah, probably but would, for the kind of player who likes it. I would also counter that most fiction, most nonfiction, is about the people that are sort of exceptional and extraordinary, right? Yeah, like, I mean, there's, there's it's Harry like, Potter. It's not like Hagrid and and friends. Yeah, in like a video game, right? Like, why, yeah. Yeah, why does Harry Potter get to be the most important person in the whole fucking world? Well, because it's a book about him. Yeah, like, it, like it, uh, I, if the premise of the story is that he's the most important. I feel like that's a really, that's really weak, uh, characterization. Like you want to see a, you, you want to see a character become important as opposed to a character that is just destined to be important, or at least do I do. You? I mean, I think the popularity of Harry Potter says that maybe you just want to follow the important person throughout their, yeah, I mean, the popularity life. of the sort of monomyth uh, yeah, that, in general. That, Right? I, mean, I always thought it was pretty weak sauce. I mean, Luke Skywalker is the most important person in the galaxy, and yeah, I thought that was dumb too. That galaxy, right? Well, I mean, you just think that populist fiction is dumb. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, I I think the the predestination thing in general is like just it makes it a lot less interesting that the person who was destined to be a hero becomes a hero. Like, wh- how is that interesting? Can you think of a good subversion of that that is also popular? Not off the top of my head. Like, there, I'm, I'm sure there are examples of like ordinary people doing interesting things. Um, but again, not off the top of my head. I mean, it's a very compelling fantasy that like, oh, someday the world is going to wake up to how special I am. And it, like everybody else is going to understand that everything that happens is truly all about me. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that is a very, very compelling fantasy to play into with fiction in the mind of every person who is alive and is like sad that they're gonna die and they don't matter so like back to the future he's just a regular guy but he gets put into a situation where he is suddenly very special because he's from the future right Mm, that's interesting yeah um yeah and it's justified it's it's not it's not like he was always that special yeah yeah, he just happens to know a guy. Right. Yeah. Who's pretty hands off about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Come to think of it. So, I mean, so if Doc Brown is the is the Obi-Wan, like is the is the sage that provide like but Doc Brown does not provide the call to action, right? Like Doc Brown does not want any of this to happen and bumbles right. into all of it. So so I mean maybe I mean maybe Back to the Future is the perfect story. It's <laughs> pretty good. Certainly the novelization of it was really good. <laughs> For a certain value of good. <laughs> I don't know. The, what I remember about the story of Fallout New Vegas is nothing. I remember a bunch of convoluted like, well, which which of these groups of horrible fucking people are going to be angry at me or pleased with me respectively for doing this given thing and i ended up like i ended up accidentally siding with the thing that was like the fallback yeah in case you fuck everything up because i did not want any i did not want any of the characters 
to succeed. that I had encountered to be in charge. And so right, I was like, right. well, I think I should be in charge. And so I went with the one that was like, the, the no one is going to choose this, so we'll make this the thing that you can do just in case you accidentally fuck up your quest flags to the point where no other faction wants completion to. path do you think is, do you think that was actually the purpose of it that they did not actually expect anybody to choose the yes man ending deliberately because i i, oh, I that's know. that's the one i took but i mean maybe that's because of our particular temperament and because we like so world of warcraft you are just a guy in the world no, and not World, anymore. World of Warcraft is <laughs> the recent you expansions. You are definitely the most important person in that story. Yeah. Well, but how does that work in an MMO when it's everybody not, else? Everyone is ignores the same it. It's basically, not. Yeah, it's they started. Anymore. Yeah, like, it doesn't yeah. matter that it's multiplayer. In, well, they started in, uh, doing technology where a lot of stuff is instance per player. Sure, but like even out in the world. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like in the story in Cataclysm is that you are the guy who rescues Thrall from Oblivion. Huh. Really? You actually have to play Oblivion for six hours. (laughs) Yeah. Just long enough to finish the main Just long enough to figure out like where he is so that you can go in. If you want to see that sort of thing playing out like it, it, it. it feels like Star Wars Galaxies did it in good faith, where they like you. You, if you want to be special, you've got to really work at it. You have well, to you actually have to be, super be special lucky and work at it. Yeah. yeah. Well, like in right. real life, it's equivalent to becoming special in the real world. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, spoiler alert: nobody fucking wants that because yeah. it's real hard. It's, it's not. It doesn't make a good video game. Sure. Like, but so let's let's go back. Let's say World of Warcraft six years ago. Okay. <laughs> like. <laughs> you you definitely would do things and it would be like, oh, you, you know, you and your band of compatriots are like doing this thing and saving the world or whatever. But most of the time you were just a person who was an adventurer. Hunting boars. Yeah. Hunting yeah. Boars, right? And like, what I remember from World of Warcraft, which is also what I remember from Fallout and uh, is just individual moments. Like I don't, I have no idea what the plot of either of those things is. Yeah. I just. I think that's fair. I, I, it's, it's more like an anthology to me. And frankly, that's how I remember most media, like, which is, I think, pretty unusual. I'm like, guessing also your life. Probably, uh huh. But probably most people remember, like, the plot of Star Wars. And, like, I could probably piece it together. But, like, I would have to really sit down and, like, assemble my memories of Star Wars into what the story yeah. of Star Wars is. Yeah, like, yeah. And, Okay, so maybe it's not that unusual, but, like, my memory of Star Wars is a bunch of, like, cool individual scenes, basically. Right. Okay, so it starts out, he's born, and his legs are No, no, it starts up, out with, so like, 40 minutes of droids wandering the desert. The like, that's don't a... Really like him, and they throw rocks at him and call him names and stuff, because he's kind of slow... But then at a certain point, he saves the day by running really fast and his leg braces fall off. Uh Uh-huh. See, this is a joke where I pretend that I think that the story of Star Wars is (laughs) actually a story of Forrest Gump. Wait, that happened in Forrest Gump? (laughs) Yeah. No, it was Star Wars. Okay, (laughs) all right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Forrest Gump, like, looking back on it, is kind of a a satire of stories where the protagonist is the most important person in the world. Yeah. Sure. 
I, is that is that wasn't he an astronaut as well book? in the novel? Yeah, he went to space. In, yeah. the, in the book, yeah. Really? Yeah. Like with NASA? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Have you not read it? No. Uh, you would really like it. You think so? Yeah, you'd read it in an afternoon, and you would really enjoy it. Huh. Okay. Yeah. No, it's good. I would actually recommend to all of our listeners read the read Forrest Gump, the novel by Winston Groom. Like it's it's pretty good. Okay. Like, it's everything that the movie is and a little more. And it doesn't have Tom Hanks in it, but, you know, the the power of your imagination having been ruined by watching the movie will allow it to just be Tom Hanks the whole time, even when it's a baby. <laughs> oh, look at that little cute baby Tom Hanks. <laughs> what if you had a baby and it looks just like Tom Hanks? Wouldn't that be fucking adorable? Like, be kind of unnerving. Like, I like this even more. I Does like he have button style? That I would if it was just my baby. Does he have like adult no, proportions? Like, Is he just like he's a real up small? He's dressed like a '70s woman. Like he's like Tom Hanks from Bosom Buddies. Huh. <laughs> okay. I, guys, I think this is a pretty good baby racket. <laughs> is that Ooh, like I a tennis racket? So so far over the net. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wait, you can anyway, buy a baby I, over the net? I still think that it's so gross. You can buy a baby named Annette. Uh, <laughs> I still think Fallout Three is the best Fallout. I Gary, I would Gary's, say Fallout. Gary got 4. so mad. Gary got so mad that he doesn't even want to do the debate anymore. Well, I mean, I I think he came to the same realization that I did was that our argument is between I like A and I like B, <laughs> and there's yeah. there's no there's no argument really to be had. Uh, you guys could try to convince each other that the like that you, the your championed game is the best one, and then present your case, right? And that that is interesting to hear. I was trying to figure out how to formulate that, right? Like that, how to do it so that it didn't just like devolve into arguments about taste. Like, just try to articulate why you like a thing, yeah, and then why you don't like a thing. I, mean, I think that's what we do on this podcast. Why I think is better or why I think right. is worse. Like, yeah. well, I, we're not necessarily going in depth about like the cultural ramifications of video games. We're talking about the games that we experience and, and whether we like them and sort of why. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think that we tend to get into arguments about like, no, this game is morally irresponsible and shouldn't exist right. because X, Y, Z. You know, we certainly... I at least will certainly say things like, I wish people would stop making games like this. Right. <laughs> I am kind of curious to know why you think three is better than four. Because I, I kind of yeah. feel like four is four upgrades three in just about every way I can think of. I think I care about the iconography of Washington, D.C. more than I care about the iconography of Boston because I don't care about the iconography of Boston okay. at all. So there, there isn't, there isn't that, that sort of statue relatable of the beach at the end yeah. of, of Planet of the Apes tone of like, oh, this is something that I know in ruins, right? It's like, this is something that, oh, I kind of remember hearing about this once. Like, oh, I guess I've been to MIT. This is sort of like that, I guess. Mm. Um, Whereas, like, oh, the Washington Monument, like, there it is, like, in all the press materials. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Shit really went south here. Um, I also just remember, a, I like, even now I remember more stuff from Fallout 3 than I remember from Fallout 4. Hmm. Like, just sort of individual moments and characters and the, I don't know. 
plus Agatha's song, there's just never going to be a better quest than that. Yeah, that's a really good quest. That's a real good quest. Although, I mean, 4 does have uh, Nick Valentine. It does. Fuck. (laughs) Did you know the Silver Shroud stuff in 4? Yeah, and I gave the outfit to, uh, to Hancock when I was done. He looks pretty good in it. Oh, you mean you just did that, like, systemically, not like it's a thing where you can say, oh, Hancock, you're the Silver Shroud now? Oh, no, no. Hancock was following me around, so I equipped him with oh, okay. that gear. <laughs> okay. I didn't take him because he was a bad guy. No, nah, he's and not He's he he's not a bad guy. I mean, he's he not really. Nick's he's a druggie. But no, Nick, yeah, you can't change Nick's clothes. That was a bummer. Even when you find, like, a nice new That's trench coat, you can't give it yeah. to him. Mm. Is it because things never fit robots or whatever? Yeah, I guess. Have any of you guys uh, played Maybe the clothes are his skin. Played what? (laughs) Tharsis. No. That's the, like, Mars survival game? Yeah. Question mark? So, yes. It's a game. um, It is. It's got systems design credited to Zach Gage. Okay. Um,. Because it's also like a dice game or something? It is a dice game, yeah. So basically it is this just desperate, depressing, really, really hard Yahtzee, sort of. (laughs) Okay. Um, You have a board, which is a spaceship that is on the way to Mars, and shit is going wrong all the time. Like, you've got crew members that are in different compartments of the ship, and... Every round, and there's like 10 rounds in a game, each of them is like a week on your journey. You start out with 10 weeks away from Mars, and then, and then each, uh, each thing that happens is a, each, each set of turns is a week. At the beginning of every week, there's some more disasters that occur. It's like, ah, there's a meteor gonna hit the food storage compartment and it's going to do two damage to the hull or here's something that there's a leak in this area and that's going to do minus one health to all the crew there's a thing that's going to happen over here that's like minus one dice to all the crew your move as a crew member is you go to a place and then you have a certain number of dice which is kind of like your energy that you then roll dice and in a given room you have like an amount of damage that you have to repair by just applying dice to it. And then there are hazards in the room that's like, anytime you roll a three in here, you get injured. Anytime you roll a two in here, the two disappears. Anytime you roll a one in here, that die gets stuck as a one and can't be re-rolled. And it is this incredibly tight resource and risk management simulator. Because you, you are not only trying to, like, sort of put out the fires to stop the ship from being destroyed... Also, each crew member has a thing that they can do with a good die roll, which is usually a thing that benefits other crew members. Like the captain has a, if you can, you can spend a five or higher to like give an additional die to all of the other crew members that are in the same compartment as you. So there's a lot of strategic, like what order do I want to do this in so that the most people can benefit from this while the captain is fixing this thing that is broken. Each compartment has a thing that you can do with dice that benefits you individually. Like if you're in the med bay, you can spend a die to fully heal yourself. If you're in another, uh, if you're in the food place, you can spend dice if they match. Like you can spend three of a kind to harvest some food, and then food lets you replenish between rounds the the number of dice that each crew member gets to roll. Right. It it's really convoluted. 
to describe. It's not that hard to actually play. The interesting things happen as a kind of meta structure over the over the course of the game. In between every after every round, if you survive, if the ship survives and you have at least one crew member alive, you get into this thing where there's like it's kind of darkest dungeon style where every crew member also has a stress level. There's like a place you can go to reduce your stress level and there's you know things you can do to reduce stress. But your stress level determines what sort of random events are available in between rounds and you just have to make a choice between all right well this one guy is freaking out so i either have to give him some extra food or else everyone else gets hurt or i have to give i have to pick this thing that's like everybody gets one extra die roll next turn but we lose four hull from the ship and like sometimes those things will make you lose and sometimes those things will kill a crew member that's also the point where you can feed them if you have food or, narratively, in the beginning, the fifth crew member gets killed, so you can eat their flesh, right? You can you can become cannibals. And the longer the game goes on, the more desperate your crew becomes, the more valuable eating the other people's flesh becomes. And then when you do it, it just, like, marks you. Like, you're, the dice that you roll get all bloody. <laughs> it's... Whoa. You lose a bunch of points at the end. Like, like being a cannibal is, like, worth fewer points. It's, it's very stressful. But I think it's pretty well designed. It's, it's, like, I'm getting to the point where I'm... It felt like the randomness just made it impossible in the beginning, but I'm sort of starting to understand it to the point where I can pretty regularly win games. I feel like that's that's been Zach's style yeah. recently because like he also did the Sage Solitaire stuff, right? Yeah, which I never really got any good at. But that's also another thing where it's it feels really random, but there's actually a lot of like, yeah. things you can do to control it. Yeah, I think in in that case. There's a lot of like bookkeeping that you can do to oh, get yeah. good at Sage Solitaire. That's, that's sort of the extreme. In the case end. of Tharsis, it's really just about gauging risk. And that it, it is interesting that a person with a lot, like a, a crew member with a lot of dice to roll, is is valuable because they're going to be able to accomplish more shit in a given module. But depending on the level of risk of the hazards in mm. that module, it's also like, well, shit, like throwing these five dice could just kill this person if they all come up a number that's going to result in an injury. So there's a lot of, like, the games that I have won have involved a lot of, like, you know, I'm just going to let this disaster slide maybe for the entire game and just figure out other ways to just deal with the damage that this is doing rather than rushing in there and solving it because it's easier, It's it, I'm more likely to survive if I use these resources in some way other than just, like, solving this specific problem that's being placed in front of me. Hmm. It's called Tharsis, T-H-A-R-S-I-S. It's on Steam. It's real good. I can I can really recommend it. That is basically all I played other than Hearthstone, even though it has been two weeks. <laughs> have you played any video games, Kevin? I have continued to play some Professor Layton in the Miracle Mask. Cool. Uh, it is It is okay. I'm I'm getting close to the end. Um, 
I forget the density if of puzzles that's is the one that I low. liked the most of the series or not. They all are kind of mishmashed together in my head. What does it have other than puzzles? There's a mystery that you're unfolding. And, I mean, that's that's okay. It's got some, like... Like story stuff. Minigame stuff. There's, like, a horse minigame where you're riding a horse through town trying to ke- collect flags. There's, uh, there's like, a little... There's a bunch of, like, little sort of logic-y logic puzzle games and stuff. There's a, there's a lot to it. There was a, There's a whole chapter of it where it's sort of a... Sokoban style sort of grid based tomb exploration game which was actually pretty good I mean it's still logic puzzles more or less but there's a lot of Sokoban-ish stuff in Professor Layton games though right? There, there is often that kind of thing what were we doing? we were moving furniture out of the out of the apartment, like trying to figure out how much of this furniture can we get in the elevator in one right. trip, and it was just like playing a real life Professor Layton game. Because <laughs> there's like, there's like s- small apertures and large objects trying to get. Yeah. Oh, well, fuck! But then we have to get in here too. Yeah, just reach in and push the, the button. And yeah. <laughs> there have been fewer puzzles in this game that are like total orthogonal thinking than I remember in the first one or two. Cause like there would be a puzzle and it would be like, just like a brain teaser more than kind like, of. Yeah. It's like, it's like, like it's solve this thing. And it actually it's like, actually push on, you know, you're, you want, what you want to do is turn the DS upside down. Cause that uh, it looks like, like that kind of thing. Um, I think you meant the ones where it was just basically like, you know, type your answer in here. To this no, there's, there's, there's still a quite a, quite a few of those kinds of things. Um, Lateral, I guess, lateral thinking. Like, like it presents you with four options, and there's actually a secret fifth one if you do something that it doesn't seem like you can do. That that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which I appreciate because those are the things that are actually kind of the most interesting to me. Because just sub- subverting the form, because I don't really the ones that are just the straightforward logic puzzles are like I'm I'm happy to do them, but they're not really teaching me anything. Whereas the ones that play with that form and push it in a different direction, I think are more, more compelling. But yeah, that's, that's basically all I have played because I've been mystery hunting. Riff, you've only played with Legos. Uh, I started playing uh, Dark Souls 2, the, the scholar of the first sin version. Uh, I actually started a let's play. What is it? What does uh, that mean? What, what it, it, it is sort of, uh, it's sort of a director's cut. Um, they, moved around a lot of the enemy placements and item placements so there's surprises again if you've already played the original version of it and and also just to i don't know sort of make the push the environmental storytelling a little bit more of you know the meaningfulness of finding a particular sort of enemy in a particular place and things like that um and also i never played the dlc um for dark souls 2 and that that comes included as part of the package in this. But uh, I started doing a Let's Play of it, which I am releasing uh, one episode every weekday, and an episode is de- defined as 
my next death, like beginning with respawning, the, the episode begins with me respawning from the last death and then ends with me dying. And that might mean that some days it's an episode that's more than an hour long and some days it's an episode that's less than a minute long. Mm. I like I like that. Yeah, it it seems it seems interesting and fun. And I'm also doing and it's it's also interesting because I'm extremely familiar with the original version of Dark Souls 2 because I put like 300 hours into it and got the platinum trophy, but because this edition changes a lot of the enemy placements and things, there's still surprises for me and I, and because I haven't played the DLC, so it's kind of both an informative type LP, uh, let's play and also a blind let's play because I, right. I know most of the stuff, but I can still be really surprised by things and, and have but been already. It's a little bit like, it's a little bit like when I played, uh, the Zelda randomizer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very much like that. And, uh, and also I'm just generally, um, filling in the, filling in the gaps in, in, uh, you know, making sure that I have something to to talk about while I'm playing. I'm I'm talking about the the uh, the lore behind the games and and the and the the stuff that you might not have noticed on a first playthrough and things like that. You know, talking about the the magical fish that started the cataclysm originally and and things like that. So um, so yeah, it should be interesting. Although it's it's both a short term and a long term project in a way because. I'm I'm guessing it it'll take probably around 60 hours for me to finish the game but based on one death per weekday and if I assume the average number of deaths per hour will remain about the same as it did in the first 3 hours then I calculate that the last video would go up on YouTube on October 24th 2017 <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> It'll you know, be You're going to just get way better at the game in the meantime. Well, no, because I'm going to probably be done playing it within like a month from now. But because it takes so long for the individual episodes to be released. So you're you're not waiting the, until the next day to play them. No, no, no. I'm sitting down and playing for 3 or 4 hours at a time and then cutting the footage up into single death videos uh, which i then upload to youtube and mark them private until the day they get released are you are you doing an additional commentary track as like a second watch through or are you just commenting as you play i'm just commenting as i play i've got a, a microphone plugged into the playstation controller but yep yep anybody that wants to wants to uh Watch it. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at Rifflesby to get notices of the release, or you can subscribe uh, to me on YouTube as Riff Connor, C-O-N-N-E-R. And that's my plug for the day. And that's pretty much all I played. I Actually, there is one other thing I played now that I think about it. Let me... Because I played it for like five minutes right before we started recording. Um... It's an iPad game, and I have to open my iPad here to remember what it was called. It is a... Uh, it's called the Westport Independent. It's a game similar to... Similar in a way to um, 
uh, papers, please. Although it doesn't have the, the sort of frantic timer aspect of it. The idea is that you're the editor of a newspaper in a, in a sort of 1984-ish society, and you have to decide what articles are going to be published and how are they going to be censored and which of your staff writers are going to write up the articles and, you know, how the, how the newspaper gets advertised to what various districts of the city and so on. And so it's sort of a, it's like a censorship newspaper sim. And it's kind of interesting. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't checked it out in depth yet though, but it seems worth a look. Did we talk about gray out? I was just thinking about that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like we I, did. I played all the way through it, but I don't remember talking about it on the podcast. I played it a bit during Christmas break. Uh, I didn't uh, finish it, though. I should. It's, I it's feel like cool. It's just, I got... Man, when you get stuck, it's frustrating, because you've got so yeah, little to go stuck, on. you get stuck, you're stuck as fuck. Yep. yep. I almost always, like, if I left for a day and came back, I almost always immediately figured out, which is really nice. That's... Yeah, getting a little distance definitely helps. That also happened to me two different times with Pony Island, but we'll get there. <laughs> Jim, have you played any video games? I played some uh, Pocket Mortys. Oh, yeah. I, did. I also I played a little bit of that. Too. Yeah. Which is a Rick and Morty-themed Pokemon clone. And Rick and Morty is a TV series uh, by one of the creators of Community and one of the creators of Adventure Time, I think. I don't know um, if Adventure Time. Uh, yeah, it's Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland. I, what else did Justin Ro- Justin Roiland did like House of House Cosby's. of Cosby's? Um, I, I was I've, I I've seen a few episodes of the show and I'm actually pretty impressed by it. Oh, it's so um, good! It is so yeah. good. And, and like it's actually interesting and not just funny, which is mm-hmm. like, if I watch a show and it makes me laugh and that's it, I, just, I don't watch any more of it. It's not, that's not interesting enough. Wow. That's, uh, but, that's a thing that makes you laugh is not good enough for you. Man, I'm glad I'm not you. I have like, laughs are easy to come by for me. Like I, I'll, a lot of really like not very good shit will make me laugh. Huh. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess that's true. Like, I wouldn't keep watching Jackass, even though Jackass okay. makes me sure, 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 sure. Um, and uh, Pocket Morty's is it. If I had talked about it, like, and I had played it for like half an hour or maybe an hour the the day we didn't record, um, last week and and if i had talked about it then my reactions would have been that like i haven't figured out how to get any more pokeball equivalents and like maybe it's yeah, microtransaction I was stuff stuck that for a while too and still am um, actually it it just turns out to be tuned such that you can't buy that stuff in the shop until you have a certain number of badges mm-hmm. like That's i don't know why I they don't yeah but then it's yeah. weird that there are mortys wandering around f- loose that you could ostensibly catch if you had one before you could possibly get one, and you can't go well, you back can to those places. Buying, yeah, you, you, you can't can back them by buying microtransactions. Well, the right? the levels are randomly generated. Oh, you can't go are back. they? You, okay. you, yeah, I didn't know they were random. That's yeah, yeah. And having put a few more hours into it, it's it gets really samey. Like yeah, it, Riff, you would know this um, mm-hmm. in Pokemon. 
they don't like the games don't ever like get to the point where every like trainer battle you meet on the street is they have a full set of Pokemon of six, right? Uh, only very rarely, yeah, will you meet somebody with a full set of six. I think mostly yeah, like, it's it, it's it's not not even like the boss guys have a full set of six until near the end of the game. Right, like in in this game, it's balanced such that. As soon as you like fill out your party, like uh, however many Mortys you have, that's how many the, uh, mm. the enemy trainers are going to have. And it doesn't actually make it harder. It just makes the fights more tedious. Um, like I remember timing one of these encounters and it was like four minutes of selecting the most obvious move and then waiting for it to finish. Yeah. It is not interesting. And, um, I, you know, I, I enjoy collecting stuff. And so that kept me going for a while, but it was not, uh, yeah, it was I, not enough. It was the sort of, it's definitely the sort of thing where I looked at it and said, Oh, this is, this is a cute premise. This is funny. And I played it for like the first two levels and I was like, all right, I'm pretty sure I've seen everything this has to offer. <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah. The, well, the only pr- presumably like the only other thing I would want to see would be like a full list of all the different kinds of Mortys. And then, yeah, that was what I was going to bring up. Like those are all cool to see. And then each one is little, a neat little gimmick. Yeah. I got a skinless Morty. That was pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. With no particular affinity for or experience with Pokemon, it just, the gameplay seemed real, real boring. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Pokemon, it, yeah. it, it's simplified a lot from Pokemon, but it's not, in essence, very different. I appreciated at least that it was just rock, paper, scissors as the elements instead yeah. of the insane list of Pokemon yeah. elements. I like that it was right. literally rock, paper, scissors. It wasn't just that there were three elements. <laughs> that- yeah, right. And there's still a hint of like what you have to do in Pokemon where um, it tells you what the what Morty the trainer is sending out, but it doesn't tell you the element. So you just have to remember. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's that, that, that aspect of getting good at Pokemon is remembering what type each thing is. Uh, I played a, a bunch of fallout four, which I'm enjoying. Cool. I, I don't really have like, I don't even remember now. Cause I, it was a couple of weeks ago. I don't even remember my, what my initial reactions were, but like little, tidbits like i like what they did with radiation yeah i think that's a a much more interesting uh thing to like have to manage than um like just make sure it doesn't hit a thousand yeah Uh, i don't remember what it did in fallout 3 but this is at least it it does at least make it a factor yeah Yeah. in fallout 4 radiation just reduces your maximum hit points right yeah yeah that i thought that was and that that was effective. That made me like care about radiation, which I really didn't do in previous fallouts. Yeah. It uh, was it was easy to forget and ignore in in the previous ones because I don't I feel like it, or at least I don't remember it being super obvious on the gauge or whatever. Whereas this right, one, it's, it, like it's a very certain, definite certain angry radiation, red bar on your hit point bar. At, yeah, at certain like milestone radiation milestones, you would get like various crippling effects i think uh culminating in death at a thousand rads if i remember right and it, yeah for the most part you could just ignore it the the building stuff was weird like i i, I wasn't 
into the idea of personally placing all the, uh, every individual like house and piece of furniture in town, mm-hmm. at, which I think like is what you're supposed to do. I like, I wanted to be able to delegate that stuff. Yeah. Um, and so like, I just haven't touched that. I, and there's this woman who keeps asking me to build a chair. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, please just build me a chair. And I've, I've, I've built her like a dozen chairs that apparently I'm doing it wrong. She wants yeah, a specific it took me one. A yeah. Long time to figure out how to build the specific chair that she wanted. <laughs> apparently, this is a common story. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's somewhere you wouldn't expect in the in the catalog. I forget. It's actually home improv- improvisation or whatever. <laughs> right. Is, is it? Is it not under chairs? It's not. No, it's, it's under like, like key items or something. Yeah. Thing in the oh weird blueprints. Yeah. You'd think that, like, they would have made that such that it, it shut up wherever it should you where it was, or here's your fucking chair, old woman. Just, <laughs> like, 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 cause she'll sit in it. Yeah. Like, if you just build a random chair, she'll sit in it. But, like, nope, not good enough. But she doesn't say, no, it's not good enough. It just doesn't trigger the quest completely. It's probably oh, a special nice. drug soaked chair or something, knowing that character. Yeah. That character is interesting because it's like, she's like the fortune teller from Legend of Zelda in that, like, you can talk to her if you can't figure out mm-hmm. how to follow the map marker to the exact location <laughs> you need to go to to advance the main quest for whatever reason. Like, if you were playing without map markers, you could talk to her to figure out what to do next to advance the yeah. main plot line, but you have to give her drugs. Yeah, and if you, and if you, right, and if yeah. you do it too many times, it kills her. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Riff. That was some cold laughter. <laughs> I didn't do it. I just think it's funny that it's a possibility. Right. She's still alive in my world. I in fact oh. I, I told her to quit. I got her off the You're I taken, got her off the sauce. Taking care of your drug addict, your That's right. fortune teller. Does she lose her ability to see the future? I haven't talked to her since then. That town is boring. <laughs> <laughs> That's just where I built all of my, my cupboard for my my meds and my footlocker for my armor and yeah i feel I, like the the quest not explaining itself is kind of just a microcosm of bethesda's um confusing interface and quest design in general like you you have you spit one of the reasons that or rather, I should, I guess I'll just say that, like, it, it fits that those games, you play them for a hundred hours because it takes that long to, to figure out a lot of the interface stuff. And a lot of the, the way the game works a lot of the time. Hmm. I found myself occasionally in, like, interior spaces, not being able to figure out where to go next because the quest markers were a little confusing. But generally, it seems pretty good to me about telling you like what you need to do at any given point. It's, it's I mean, gotten better, better to- certainly. I've just I've just heard a lot of complaints, especially from new players, that like I th- I think they don't explain vats at all or something like that. Yeah, it's real easy to miss the vats tutorialization. They they definitely did not play it up in this right and like I would not be able to play these games if vats wasn't there because yeah. I'm not good at shooters so. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I just kind of have the muscle memory right from Fallout Three in New Vegas for doing it, but 
I could see you just not wanting to tell people about that, right? If they don't like it as a system, and if players, by and large, don't like it as a system, like, well, it's here if you want it. Otherwise, you can just ignore it. I wonder if... what I actually don't know what the general reaction to it is. It's certainly... I, I haven't been playing it this way, but it's certainly a better first-person shooter than 3 was. Is it? Yeah. Can you articulate why? I... I, I only have my memory of not really caring for how th- combat felt in three mm. um, and Vats being fine in three and here combat is fine. You both ways. Yeah. Um, it, it, it does like I, my character is balanced such that um, I kind of divide my time half and half between spending action points in Vats and I'm um, out of action points. I got to shoot this guy manually. And if the first person shooter stuff, sucked i would just be allocating more skills to whatever boosts your ap that's all i did because i just found that trying to kill things manually just takes 30 times as much ammo as trying to kill them in vats right and that headshots sniping is real satisfying right yeah i just went pistols i always go pistols well, I think it's the same skill. I think I think uh, sniper rifles still counts as small guns. No, it's pistols and rifles. The way oh, that is it? Not really a small guns category, right? There's oh, there's that's right. They did change that. Didn't it's they? like it's it's divided up between non-automatic pistols, automatic pistols, non-automatic rifles. That's right. Rifles. I'm confused because of just listening like to Gary and Cole talk so. about three for nine hours. <laughs> yeah. It's got the same like we like glitchiness that I I personally enjoy from the rest of Bethesda's stuff. Like uh I remember um there was someone like who sassed me walking through town um and I pickpocketed her and got her house keys and then I remember like much later coming across a, a door that was just Openable and it wasn't like it wasn't red. It wasn't like you, you. This is a karma loss. So I just went through it, and it turns out I was using her house keys to get into her house. <laughs> and then my companion just opened fire on her immediately, uh, be- presumably because she was red. Um, killed her, and then the companion was like, "This companion hated that," and like started. <laughs> Like it, it immediately popped up the message to like send her, send her back to which which uh, which of your towns, um, and I canceled out of that, and then she just opened fire on me. Wow! So that was pretty delightful. Which was it? That was that was the the journal. It was Piper, I think. Oh yeah, Piper. Yeah. I never I never did any companioning companioning with her. I I mean I like her as a character, but I found her too annoying to actually hang out with. Yeah, I've just been trying them all, whichever one I come across. I, I just met Nick. Yeah, Nick is great. Hancock is really good, really good too. He's funny. He's 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 the junkie with a heart of gold. He's cool. Okay. I want to see all of the companion quests because the the Nick Valentine companion quest, even though it was sort of like tedious in a like back half of Wind Waker way. Where it's like, all right, now let's go to all the police stations in the entire <laughs> fucking world and get one 
you know, one digit of this code from each of them, then it ended up being kind of cool. I want to see the other companion quests, but I don't want to just play the hundreds of hours that it would take to get to gather them the companion affinities up to that point for each of them. Well, you're on PC, right? Yeah. yeah. Edit your save file. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's just a console command to like make this companion love me a lot, so that they'll ask me to run an errand for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you guys want to talk about our assignment? Pony sure. Island. Yeah, let's do it. Pony Island was great. Yeah, I enjoyed it, I'm but I felt it felt in like an empty experience to me in the sort of grander scheme. In Pony Island, you walk up in first person to an arcade cabinet and start playing a video game called Pony Island, and then it is gradually revealed that Satan has possessed the Pony Island machine, and now your soul is trapped inside it, and so there's another soul trapped inside it, and he tries to tell you how to get out and get him out by having you do some hacking puzzles and playing various iterations of the Pony Island video game itself with Lucifer as your antagonist. And different glitchiness and, and, and things going on. I'm surprised to hear you say great, Zach, because at first you hated it. Boy, was I real mad when and I and I I was listening to uh, the Creighton Crowbar last week, and Tom Francis had the exact same experience as me going into this, where he got to that puzzle, the puzzle where you have the sort of AI antagonist that's just trying to fuck up your puzzle solution with every move. Mm-hmm. And I just beat my head against that for a half an hour and just could not see a way through it and just got pissed off and quit. And then he went to a walkthrough, solved it, didn't, you know, said said on the podcast that he still didn't really understand how he'd solved it. I talked to Kevin, who is my version of a walkthrough. (laughs) And you just said, you said, after the first move, always move the piece that they just dropped yeah. never take another piece off the stack and that was enough to get me through it um but something about that puzzle just just threw just, you into a... it just hmm. felt impossible interesting. to me it's interesting and then i got stuck on another puzzle have like when it gets into the like cutesy mode later in the game i got stuck on another one that required a bunch of the use of those butter oh yeah yeah that was that was probably the same one that was like the one that that i found tricky and and had to pummel on it for a while before i got past it i eventually just like scrubbed through not like a nine part youtube (laughs) (laughs) until i found the part where the guy got through that and i was like oh okay, that's actually just trivial. Like, it's really just putting the things in the right position in the beginning. It was like the whole, like, the the way that this puzzle works is, like, it's this kind of order of operations thing where there's basically, like, a logo turtle that's marching along following instructions. It's like a pointer. You have to place things that will make it move in certain directions at certain points in its path to get it to do stuff, but you can change it while it's moving. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what makes it interesting as a game, right? But is what also it expands the scope of your possible moves on a given Vastly. puzzle a thousandfold. Sure. And creates the opportunity for tremendous difficulty. And I don't know. What did you think? Jim, this, 
I thought about you a lot while I was playing this because <laughs> this is this is very much a post frog fractions game. Like right. there is zero chance that the guy who made this game did <laughs> yeah, not play frog yeah, fractions. Yeah, absolutely. And, right, right. And I wonder how that felt. I guess. I well, I thought I I that aspect of it actually didn't really register with me. Um, I recognized that it's the sort, it was as going for the same sort of thing. I remember specifically thinking that it was really smart that he charged money for it. Um, <laughs> the, how did you guys feel about the premise being Satan has trapped your soul in an arcade cabinet? I thought it was fun. Yeah, fine. I thought it was fun. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So, I had a friend in middle school uh, who was in a metal band, and I don't remember what the name of the band was, but he had wanted to name the band initially Metallica Jr. Okay. And, like, Satan Traps Your Soul in an Arcane Cabinet is the sort of, like, quote-unquote subversive plot that he would have come up with. I, I, mem- I like, wrote and memorized a QBasic program <laughs> when I was, when I was in, like, junior high, early high school, so that if I was at a store and I was bored and they had a computer that I could somehow get into QBasic, I right, could just type in right. this program really quick. And the program was just make a bunch of ASCII, like, blood pour in from the top of the screen. Okay, and then, like, okay. This computer has been possessed by Satan. <laughs> so... Like I have an affinity for the like computer sure. by Satan, like, sure. like just like <laughs> trapper keeper scrawl metal aesthetic. Like I I have an affinity for that in a like joking way because I never was that kid, but I was right, always like right. near. I was always yeah, near like, that it, kid, and I really appreciated that kid's sensibilities. I've definitely <laughs> like heard people talking about that theme as if it's making fun of that culture, but I, that didn't come across for me. I just thought it was of that culture of like that. This is someone who thinks like Satan is cool or subversive in some way. Like this is a, I, I've actually um been thinking about this specific phenomenon a lot over the past week. And if I had talked about like, if, if we had recorded last week, I would have just said the, the sick burn that I uh, said a few minutes ago and left it at that, but I think there's more to it here. So one of the psychological hazards of recording Train Hot Dog is that I keep reading people's really depressing sob stories. Um, And one of the ones that I recorded last week, one of those stories I read aloud, I didn't read the story, but I read the story and chose not to read it on the podcast was about a guy who like fucked up something at work and, um, prayed for help and then posted on, uh, Yahoo answers. Like, Oh, how, like, do you guys ever, do you guys feel bad about panic prayer? Um, and he describes panic prayer as like, well, uh, Jesus, I know we never talk, but can you really just help me out of the bind this once? I'll swear I'll be a good Christian if right. you save me. And the answers to this were like, oh, you should... They were just reassuring him. They were like, there's no atheists in the foxholes, you know. Um, 
And one of the things someone said was that everybody does it, even atheists. Uh, and I was talking to April mm-hmm. about this. Um, and she agreed with that. She was, she told me a story about how something bad had happened to her and she just automatically went to prayer. Hmm. Like that's, that's where her mind went. Um, and this is never where my mind goes. Like I, it never occurs to me. It never would occur to me, no matter how bad something got and how, how helpless I was, it would never occur to me to pray. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think can imagine is, like desperately wishing, but not to any particular God. <laughs> right. And I, I suspect that this is like, uh, how recently you actually believed. Okay. Like people who were brought up religious, um, that even if they like intellectually disbelieve, then the belief is still like there at an intuitive mm. level and it feels like sure. something that it, like it's that like is swearing it's like something it's something that's like precognitive yeah, yeah. yes yeah. Yeah. yeah and i i feel like and i i remember watching um event horizon and feeling a similar way to event horizon as i to i did to pony island which is that the idea of a literal portal to hell like the creators of this movie clearly thought that idea was was cool or just visceral in a, in a, like a, it's inherently scary. And to me, that's just a ludicrous idea. And I feel like if I had that intuition that hell was a real place and I I was actually in danger of going to hell, even if I didn't believe it, but if I like still had the, the uh, intuition like right in the, in the reptile brain, I feel like that, movie actually would have worked really well on me. And I'm, I kind of feel like that's what's happening with Pony Island where like, I, I cannot take this. I, 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 I hear this, I, this concept for, uh, um, this premise for the game. And immediately, like, I just think of it as like this, this is a product that's not for me. This is a product that's like for someone who can take that idea seriously or mm. who mean, can take I, it as something that is like interesting to, to work, not to think about the ramifications of. I don't feel like the game takes the idea very seriously. I mean, the Lucifer in this is kind of a joke. Yeah, yeah he, maybe he's like a real like, you know, he's like please, a script kitty. Yeah, yeah, that's what <laughs> I'm looking for. He's, just, please, yeah. please oh, man. tell me, please tell me that characterizing like, video game is cool. <laughs> is all he wants. That's funny. Like characterizing Lucifer as a as a hacker, as like a yeah a thirteen. That that actually, um, it's like the, if I had thought of it that way, that probably would have worked a lot better. Is is it that, or is it like he's not really a programmer, but he's desperately trying to like actually capture souls and it's like you know insert soul to get to power up or whatever i think i i always just interpreted it as being a little kid yeah Mm. i mean i think he literally says at some point to be lucifer oh you mean it was not actually lucifer okay i didn't see it yeah i mean that was but but that was that was how i felt about it i don't know that that was my read of the actual Hmm. text because, I mean, I don't think the actual text tells you. It's just like, yeah. that's clearly the way the character was written. Right. I mean, I think he literally says at some point, I wouldn't even really care about the souls if someone would tell me my game was good. <laughs> I I like... Th- 
a lot of what I like about the English language falls out of the King James Bible. And a lot of what I a lot of what I like about modern fantasy imagery and tropes comes from Christian mythology. Mm. Like I it works that stuff works on me, even though I was never religious. I mean That's, I like yeah, I, me too, yeah. There was never it's a point a, it where is I a believed super... that hell was a real threat or yeah. a real place and there was right. never a you know, there was never a time when I believed that heaven was a real place right. or a real reward. Yeah, the, heaven imagery is boring, the, right? but the like, hell imagery is awesome. Like yeah, the, like and like the, the movie the Prophecy the is Inferno really is cool. Awesome, Hieronymus yeah. Bosch paintings are awesome. Yeah, like right, right. No, I I agree. Observe, I think that. Well, right. <laughs> I, you don't want that ass flute. I agree. I think like the the. Um, you know what the I'm classical talking about. Riff, Riff knows what I'm talking about. The classical biblical imagery is interesting and the, you know, the stuff in Inferno is interesting, but I think of like the like the the metal band depictions of Lucifer as being like a much more modern like cartoon version of that. Which is a lot less interesting to me. That 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 stuff just uh, maybe it's just that like I I was already 14. You know, I've, I've been through that phase and it's now something that I just associate with 14 year olds as a result. I don't know. I don't want to make stuff like that. And I don't want to hang out with people who, <laughs> who wear those shirts, you know, but like, I don't know. I just thought like as a backdrop for this game, the like, the like yeah. Iron Maiden t-shirt version of, of Christian underworld mythology presented in like Apple II <laughs> graphics with the like CRT causing it to be like cyan on one side and magenta on the other side of a white yeah. text. Like it just really worked on me in terms of like my, I guess, specific kind of nostalgia yeah. for the imagery and tech of the world in which a 13 year old Zach lived. Yeah. And it's hard to know how I would have reacted to the game overall if it weren't for that initial um the the arch reaction, I guess. Uh but like the I I thought that it was just not very well executed, like the writing was kind of weak, um even outside of what I, of of that that uh, of characterizing the whole story as like a battle against Satan. Um, the one part that I did think was really effective was the, um, the battle against, uh, I think it was Asmodeus, the third. Of yes. The, oh, or the, 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 keep your eyes on me. Guy. Oh, the distraction. Yeah. That was I, really I wrote effective. A note, I wrote yeah. a note down. I had the most like serious deja vu moment there. Was there a game where or was there like a website where it was a challenge to pay attention to a thing where it kept like playing porn in the margins of the screen <laughs> huh i don't remember that if so are you sure it wasn't just a porn site well it seems like on a porn site they would have put the porn like, where you were looking, <laughs> ignoring like, like, all the banner ads, ads like, all around yeah there. ignoring <laughs> animated banner, banner ads, ads is yeah. a skill for porn. sure no, it for whatever reason it conjured up that that 
boss fight conjured up the strongest memory in me of some game that was just like this gag thing that was like, how long can you pay attention to this thing? Like, how long can you play this Simon game where when we are increasingly encroaching your cognitive space with more and more porn? Right. Mm-hmm. And if that's not a real game, if that isn't a real thing, if that's a thing that I just dreamed, like, we should just make that game. That, <laughs> yeah, put that, that on cool. asymmetric. So, like, yep. This guy kind of already did. Like, I, well, and that was also a um, Molly Do tweet, the idea that you only get a certain number of pauses in a game, and the game keeps, like, playing doorbell sounds or phone ringing <laughs> sounds to make you pause. Uh, yeah, I... I, I, I'm totally willing to spoil that fight and talk about it because I. Yeah, do it. All right. Like, it, it was, uh, the, the premise is that the, the character will, will speak to you and that, then ask a question about what they just said. But it will also be like playing IM beeps at the same time. Um, and, and at one point. Up fake Steam user messages. Yeah, yeah. That was really effective. Yeah. Incredibly yeah. strong. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it pulls I from your did. friends list. It, it, it picks a random friend, I think. Yeah. yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, okay. I get, I just have so many friends, so many Steam friends that I don't know. Oh, that the you names. didn't. Okay. I assumed it was oh, user yeah. I knew it was fake because it was not native res. Oh, oh. interesting. Like, because I had not bothered to set up Pony Island to run at native res because it didn't matter. Right. And like, it was like, ah, oh, fake Steam notification. That's pretty clever. Right. Like, which sucks. Like, I wish, I wish that that had had an opportunity to work on me. Mm. Yeah. God, the idea though of triggering a thing where it's like, where he, like he says, say the most offensive thing that you can think of. Like, don't hold back. Say the most offensive thing you can think of. And then it pretends that one of your friends has seen what you typed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you had typed something really offensive, which I didn't, I mean, I think I just typed the word fart. <laughs> right. That was literally the most offensive thing I could think of. I was still focused like, on the the secret name from the other character and <laughs> was just typing that again, just because right. it may be an that, opportunity. The idea to that type. it would trick you into thinking that, like, because this is a real hazard of the modern world, was that right? everything is, can get access to your yeah, doing yeah, something yeah. that you email don't and know stuff? is being broadcast on social media, but yeah, yeah. Or yeah. like. It's making a video that it's also posting to YouTube yeah, of you reacting like, to this jump scare or something. Just uh, that was that was really effective and really cool. I, and I wish I wish that it had not been like ruined for me by that. Like, oh, this is obviously fake because this is not what it would look like if I got a real Steam notification. Right. And the other thing that it does that was really effective was to freeze up and like reboot. Uh, I. Or like I, it expects it expects you to reboot. It it, it oh it pops up to right. think this program has stopped working. Yeah, well that was a real notification. I think that was like actually the like I think the program actually just stops. No, because it was a Windows pop up on my Mac. Okay, oh. yeah. <laughs> well, it was really well done. Uh, yeah, and I my computer at home i'm waiting for a new one to arrive from from good old cyber power pc i'm waiting for cyber power to deliver my new sick rig mm-hmm. but my computer at home is just turning to shit and is routinely just hanging for three or four seconds at oh a yeah time. and so i was like oh okay i did not think of that as part of the video game okay until yeah. he like said oh good job yeah like 
Oh, okay. I guess that one. Yeah, I, I actually the, like the restart- Psychomantis version of this. Right, right. I actually restarted the program because it actually had crashed before for me. Fuck. There's that. There's also that thing where you find Pony Island Meta, which just restarts the game. Yeah, run it. Just re- restarts the game from the beginning. I was. Oh God, that was great. Yeah. I wonder if there, there's got to be something. There's got to be some reason that you would want to do that, right? Probably like, just there's got to be some achievement collection. that you can only get. For, for doing that, where you just find... Oh, God. Yeah, for or, probably help like you go a, back and find all the tickets or something. This is what I would do. The achievement that I would put in would be for running Pony Island meta from within Pony Island meta. Right. Like, <laughs> if, you play, if you're willing to play <laughs> through it far enough to get to that point again and then running it again. Um, did you... How many of the, like, weird, like, historical... Oh, scenes. I only Did got you guys two. See? I only found two of the three. There, I think there are four of them, and I got three. And I feel like there's like the fourth one's probably the like cool reveal or whatever. Mm, and I didn't I get to know. it. What What are they? There's just this. I, I I don't know if it's the the soul that you're trying to help you like find out what their story is, and there's some sort oh, of the, crusader. The, is this the guy who says you can ask one of four one questions? Of three questions. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I got when, when did I die? Who was I? And where was I? Right. Or something? I got to that. I only got to that guy once. Okay. So there's apparently a four way to get to a fourth one. I was just curious if anybody huh. knows what that was because I uh, I can't play it again because <laughs> I've released all the souls. Yeah, I, I deleted it after I was done because they asked <laughs> me to. Yeah. <laughs> Save the date style. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, there was a. There's a, another ending for. It's actually a lot like uh, thematically a lot like the the hacker ending. Well, I was th- I was thinking about the in Undertale the um the opposite of the pacifist ending. Oh, the genocide ending. Right, where um the game gives you shit for being a completionist, even though being a completionist like is is set up to be like that makes you a bad person. I see. So it knows that you've gotten the other two endings and now you're doing the, the Well thing. that that's Undertale. Right. Um this one, like it, it well, you you get it by getting all the tickets. Oh. Um and I did not get all the tickets. Yeah, yeah I got like right, 10. Well, who would? Um I no, I watched it on YouTube. Oh, okay, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Actually. I'm really, really glad that we played this like yeah. e- even though we're not like just completely up this game's ass we just had a lot of conversation about it for a pretty long time relative mm. to a lot of a lot of assignments that we've done well a lot of that was me going off the rails on my <laughs> own personal shit well, but yeah but it prompted that you know yeah so, it's true it's good Anybody who hasn't already played it just had everything ruined for them. But. <laughs> just some of the things. There are some. There are some other surprises, especially if you are diving in for ticket stuff. You know, somebody in the forum said, "I'm going to sound like Zach for a minute here, but the pony, the actual Pony Island segments went on way too long." I did not feel that way. Huh. Actually, those like I felt like there were times where the puzzles were too hard. But I don't feel like there were times where the arcade sections were too hard because they okay. were they were a kind of interesting like 
pat your head and rub your stomach yeah, challenge yeah. that were like just challenging enough yep. that like yeah. sometimes they took more than one try and they were like required you to pay attention to multiple things at a time and it was like you know that's like this was a pretty good Atari game that mm-hmm. they made here <laughs> like I wonder if it's possible to save all the souls at the end like can you can you can do you a good do enough job no hitter yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely I lost a ton it, of them. <laughs> in that yeah. in that fight at the end, there were definitely uh sections like sections that I did not know how to counter. Right. Um it, it, like in the, and that kept go, like, that stayed the same throughout the battle like every time, you know, the guy, the guy went into the background, I didn't know what to do about that. Right. Same. You had to switch to a virtual boy. <laughs> yeah, I just that really reminded me of the Mario game for the Virtual Boy, where you could go into the. Back oh yeah, no, my reference for that is Mutant Muds on the 3DS. Mm. Similar thing. Well, what's our assignment for next week, fellas? We were gonna play Gravity Ghost. Okay, I'm really curious about this because my experience of Gravity Ghost is just playing like festival builds of it, where all it is is the jumping around planets thing. So. I don't know anything about the like overall meta structure of it or any story stuff. I heard there are cutscenes. There are, and that's weird. I've heard that that structure is what makes the game interesting. I think so. The game, the game itself is the mechanics are also interesting, but the but it's just like it's the meta it structure felt is cool. Like playing it to me, it felt like ah, this is the kind of thing that I would like. This is a thing that I would just dick around with to relax. Yep. Right, it was very, it was a very like soothing sort of that. There's that is taken away a little bit from the like the build that I had played it when early packs, but it's still it's still fun. It it's, didn't seem real goal oriented. It was just like, it's more so. Is it? Yeah, more? that might get frustrating then because I mean it's I, I, you can't ever die. Well, you're already a jost, right? A gravity roast. Gravity roast. Indeed. Where Gilbert Gottfried says some insulting things about gravity's mother. <laughs> uh, you guys, I don't know how to end the show anymore. Did you not? Did you not decide on a uh, sound? You you looked it you up. You looked it up last oh, yeah. week. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I gotta thank you guys for doing the episode with me. Oh, okay. And all right. Thanks, listeners, for I'll edit out that cockaboo boobalaya and I'll put it okay. out. Okay. Just <laughs> Kevin saying nice to nothing. Nice. Yeah. Um, send us a send us a listener's mail from the web forum at videogameshotdog.com. Go uh, give us a rating or a review on iTunes. Rate and uh, review. Get, like yeah. and subscribe. Go uh, tell go to Riff Riff Connor YouTube and uh, watch his Dark Soul yes. his videos and subscribe to that. I don't know. Post. Uh, Post a link to that to your friends, and then Riff put a link to video games hot dog in your profile. Okay, know, man, go to do Kevin's Twitter puzzles at twitter.com slash puzzle theory. They're cool. Pledge but, to our Patreon. But, uh, buy every game, trying to figure out if it's Frog Directions too. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I should totally get a cut of that. Yes, you should. Increasing global game sales since yeah. 2014, 15. Well, all right, guys. Cockaboo-boo Belaya. Have a great week, everybody. Good night. Good night.
Nice. Yeah.